Welcome to Sport Talks with Sport Profs. We created this community for students and for industry to join together as a community and talk sports and really it just be what's going on, what is the future looking like, and have a little bit of fun. We have a great show this evening. So welcome to Sport Talks with Sport Profs. I'm Laurel Walzak. I'm Prof Walls. Uh, Prof Recupero, Prof. Joe is on summer holidays. We have Professor uh, Coach Dan Berlin here. And of course, our spotlight speaker, a trailblazer, an amazing woman that I can't wait to get to know more of Chanel Reynolds of the Washington NFL team. So welcome, Chanel, to our show. Thank you so much. So we have uh, a number of topics that we want to talk to you about tonight. Uh, the, the quote that you had is, where ambition meets hustle. You are an author oh, yeah. of the Success play Playbook. You are a Black woman in sports. You are an executive in the NFL. And you are a trailblazer, just uh, blazing your way through and influencing others and being a very positive role model. So I'm really excited um, that this is... Uh, part of your repertoire, but also part of your DNA and who you are. So right now we have the NBA. The NBA, there's a lot happening in the NBA as we're, you know, we, we have our own biases here because of the Raptors and Toronto and being our only team in Canada. Uh, and I know also you've got a passion for basketball. So how are you thinking that the, uh, the NBA team is faring during COVID-19 and they're, they're back to play and now uh and where the standings are yeah um so what i love about the um nba is that they're so innovative like who would have thought you know 12 months ago that you know anyone would have to think of the idea of creating a bubble um where the players are in quarantine and where you know you would have a one-stop shop for all of these you know basketball tournaments to go on um, for example, I heard they even have like a, a tattoo artist in the bubble. Um, so that just, uh, that speaks to the innovation of the National Basketball Association. Um, you asked where, you know, I see the standings um, ending up, you know, I am a Sixers fan at heart through and through. So it may not be likely, but I'm going to say that the Sixers are going to go all the way. I'm going to speak it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, this seems like a really uh, awkward time. What do you think about that in the 76ers? Are they not playing right now? Yeah, they're playing. Dan, the are they not playing right now? What court, are they in the, yeah, what's happening? Are they winning or no? I can give you a score update in a moment if you, unless Chanel can beat me to the can beat me to the punch here. I don't know if this, if this dates the episode at all, but let me pull it up right here for you. Let's um, see. I was going to say though, I you know the Sixers, as you know, uh, Chanel gave the Raptors all they could handle and more. Uh, they're down eight points in the third quarter to the Celtics right now, 72-64 with five minutes left to go in the third. Okay. That said, that series against the Sixers last year, um, you know, obviously Kawhi hitting the shot in game seven at the buzzer from the corner that hit the rim about 200 times before falling in. I know it was a heartbreaking moment for Sixers fans, but from a Toronto standpoint, we've been waiting a long, long, long time for something positive to go our way. But hey, I'm interested to know, like where, where does your hoop fandom sort of originate from? Uh, what, how long you been a hoops fan? Yeah, I mean, it started when I was a child and honestly it came from just, you know, um, my dad, you know, in my household being a, a really big sports fan. 
Um, and, you know, his favorite sports team was the Philadelphia 76ers. So I have distinct memories of, you know, going to, you know, some of those games as a child with my father and the rest of my family or even like church members. We would do group outings. Um, so it was amazing. And, you know, in that time when I was growing up, in, in that time of my adolescence, that was the era of, you know, the Allen Iversons and the Eric Snows and all yeah. those big guys. So it was so fun to watch. Um, even if you weren't paying attention to what was going on in the court, it was just entertaining. It, everything about it was entertaining. So that's where uh, my fandom for sports um, first came to life. Yeah. Practice. I mean, that was like the best time ever for Sixers Hoops. Oh, right? yeah. Iverson was, you know, he was one of the great superstars. Laurel, oh, yeah. He, I had the bobbleheads and everything. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Just, I mean, full circle, I probably don't need to tell you. But, of course, in, in 2003, when you're at the height of the Sixers' popularity and their run to the finals against the Lakers, you know, mm -hmm. that was when they beat Vince Carter and the Raptors mm -hmm. way back then. So we we remember Eric Snow <laughs> and Tyrone Hill and yes. Alan Iverson <laughs> and all those guys who got the best of us back then. I guess yes. Yeah, happy we could return the favor. <laughs> so former running back, partner at McKinsey Consulting Firm, first black president in the NFL. A month ago, it was announced that the Washington NFL team was dropping its name and logo and various colors, a lot of pressures from sponsors, a lot of pressures from fans and, and various partners of the Washington team. And now um, we have uh, an MBA graduate from the University of Chicago taking on the reins of President Jason Wright. Dan, um, you know, football is, is your space. What do you think about Jason Wright coming in? 38 years old, uh, one of the youngest, I think uh, one of the youngest, and also the very first black president. Yeah, he actually comes in right now as the youngest uh, team president in the NFL, a former player, former running back. Interesting story here, spent seven years working um, in a uh, consulting firm where he, his, basically his MO was to turn around, um, you know, businesses that were, that were in peril. Um, so obviously he has, he has a big job ahead of him uh, to try to, you know, turn around both how the Washington football team is being run and also, you know, really the image of the team too. But, you know, he came out today and he said he's not the savior here. There's no silver bullet for turning this organization around. Um, and he's there to push the thinking and maybe even be a little bit disruptive. Um, but I say, I mean, listen, time will always tell in terms of how this goes, but it definitely feels like a very progressive, you know, signing for the team. That in lieu of the fact that last month, the team named Julie Donaldson is the team senior VP of media as well. So Chanel, my question for you is like, how does it feel to be a member of the Washington football team today? I am so proud um, to be a member of the Washington football team. Um, and, you know, this has, we've been making strides of change over the past year. Um, so it, it, it is surreal. Um, the fact that we not only just hired the youngest president, we hired the first black president in league history. Um, and I think that, you know, without going too much into the weeds, I, I think that shows the, the progression um, of our thoughts and, you know, where we're going as a company, because historically, um, we were the last NFL team to integrate. And now to be the first with a Black 
president, it is surreal. So I'm loving every moment of this. Okay, perfect. So Dan, maybe we could just chat about it. Um, just in Axel, Dan, Chelsea, uh, where we think, how does it feel that Dan Snyder was, has been, you know, so controversial in this space and the NFL has been controversial in this space. How true is this? I know you're very excited about it. There's, there's some skepticism on our side. There's a lot of celebration on our side, a lot of the fan side. Um, is this a move of tokenism or is this an actual, real, authentic, genuine move for long-term sustainable change? I mean, I think that uh, legitimately, obviously, we, that, um, we have Jason Wright from his resume. Looks like he's got a solid resume from, from McKinsey, for MBA from one of the top business schools um, in, in the USA and arguably probably the top 50 business schools in the world. Uh, he's also understands the game being a former running back. Uh, that said, uh, there is a lot of discussion about knowing the game is one thing, but running the business is another. That's, that's one question really. Uh, that he's probably going to be scrutinized for, although good for him. Um, that's, that's one question. The second is about tokenism, and there's a lot of work here. You know, a tokenism can be a good thing. Uh, and first, being a trailblazer is also something that's very much celebrated, which is a good thing. And we see this a lot with gender equity in sport and celebrated. However, there's a lot of pressure. There, I would say there's a lot of unnecessary pressure and probably a lot of unfair pressure that is going to be put on Jason Wright. So as he is uh, all of this pressure that is being on, on Jason White, is it, uh, you know, he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders and I know that he says that he's not gonna be a savior. However, he did say, which um, I found interesting, but also I'm gonna criticize is bringing back out my nerd. So being a nerd, being smart or being an organization as a nerd, I think he was joking around, hopefully. Uh, but anyway, Dan, what are your, Axel, Chelsea, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll just chime in first, I think, from, you know, one nerd to another sports nerd. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's just an amazing hire. I mean, you know, you, you can use the term tokenism, but I mean, listen, this is a time for change, and this is a time to make powerful uh, statements, you know, to not only your own staff, as Chanel mentioned, with respect to the excitement and the surrealness of, of, of the news today, and, you know, just to take what you said, but I think just a, a message to the league overall. I mean, this almost feels like in many ways, it's a long time coming. Of course, you know, Jason Wright will be, you know, judged on merit. You know, he'll be judged, and we hope that he'll be judged on merit, how well he can do the job. And we know he's got a big job ahead of him, there's no question, but let's, let's, Embrace the fact that he's a young, qualified, forward-thinking person who has the chance to really be a new era in a new era of gatekeepers. You know, we've been talking about this, Chanel, a little bit throughout our programs. Like, who are the new gatekeepers? And if we hire somebody who's 65 years old, who granted may have experience in a role such as this, are they enough of a forward thinker to bring an NFL franchise into the 21st century and beyond. So mm -hmm. I think that this is just an incredibly exciting move. Uh, I certainly, you know, listen, I, I mean, he has a track record over seven years of, of doing this type of work. And he sounds like he is without question ready and willing and able to do this position. So I go into this not looking at it as his tokenism, but really is, as uh, you know, it's been a long, a long time coming. And I think Chanel, to your point, 
which I really, which I really enjoyed hearing was like, hey, here you were the last team to integrate and now you're the first to have a black president. And I say, listen, with all of Washington's, you know, at least perceived shortcomings over the last number of years from, you know, and that's from where I'm sitting. That's not from where you're sitting. Um, this, this seems again like the right move. Chanel, could I ask you a question just sort of as a follow-up to this? I mean, maybe you could give, you're, you're the one sitting on the inside. We're the ones on the outside. What's, what's, it, what's it been like in the inside of your franchise today and in the days leading up to today after everything that's gone on with the name change in the last, in the last month? Yeah, um, honestly, you know, it, it has been a whirlwind, um, but, you know, it's been a fun ride. You know, we jokingly say around the office, you know, we've gotten, you know, 10 years of experience within the past few months, um, which is something that, you know, and I tell this, the sales team, the younger guys, hey, guys, put this on your resume because this will take you far. You've experienced a lot in your short time being here. Um, so it's been a really exciting time. It's been a roller coaster. Um, we've been, you know, just pushing positivity and just making sure that everyone sees the silver lining of what's happening. And that silver lining is we're part of history. Um, history has been in the making over the past few months. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but you know, um, myself as well as a colleague of mine, her name is Aspasia, we started the first uh, Black Employee Network um, here at the Washington Football Team. So that became that came into existence a few months ago. Um, a few weeks later, after that, we had we created the first, um, or not we, but they had their separate um, chair members, but they created a, a women's network here at the Washington football team. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of changes. Um, of course, you know, one could argue, oh, about time, but okay, let's enjoy, let's enjoy what's happening here. Let's, let's embrace it. Um, so we're really excited. You know, it's been a, a very fun ride. Um, a lot of you know, ups and downs and loops, loops but um, it, it's all awesome. And I have some amazing teammates here and I, I wouldn't want to go through it with anyone else. Could you Chanel, talk, maybe, oh, go ahead, Laurel, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, Chanel, also, what does this, this is you know, on the other side of uh, just taking a look at from different lenses of Jason Wright's hire for your organization. I mean, we saw sponsors like FedEx and many other sponsors that were saying, hey, listen, we need a change. This is actually a really good new sales story for you as well, who's, who is heading up the sales and doing hundreds of millions of dollars of sales, I'm sure. This is, this is a great story. Um, and it's not just a story, but I use a story because it's a media, uh, we're a media school and this is a story, but it's also a really great um, asset and value that you're able to take to your partners. What does this mean in terms of the impact to your business? Yeah, um, I think like you mentioned, it, it is a great story to tell that, you know, hey, we, we heard you guys and we went ahead and we made some changes. Um, and I think that's what a lot of, you know, the partners have wanted to hear over the past 80 something years um, is that, you know, we hear you and we understand what it is that you're saying um, and we're here to make change. So it's a, a really exciting time. So we're going to go back to the NBA playoffs for a moment. Um, everyone knows on this show that I care. I, I love the NBA. Uh, I played basketball in grade school and high school. And, you know, the Raptors absolutely are my favorite, as is Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, my favorite TikTok star is LeBron James. So this is nothing new. Um, but the NBA, Dan, tell us a little bit more about the quiz you were quizzing your son on today for the NBA playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. For the record, though, I do want to give an update on the Sixers versus Celtics right now. The Sixers <laughs> finished the quarter, I believe, on a 10-0 run 
and now lead by four going into the fourth quarter. So Chanel, I got you. I'll be updating awesome. you as the score moves. Maybe not every bucket, but every other bucket <laughs> moves. All right, I'll keep you posted there. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. My, my little guy, he loves Minecraft and he has a great mind for, like, I just, I'm fascinated. Like, of course, when I was his age, he's seven years old. When I was his age, I just, I couldn't watch enough sport. I just, I wanted to watch it all. And it didn't, almost didn't matter what sport it was, basketball, hockey, baseball. And, and I had a love for NFL football from when I was a pup. In fact, honestly, this is probably my favorite story. And it's on my professor bio on the journalism school side. When I was seven years old, I snuck downstairs on Monday night to watch the game between the Browns and the Jets on this, you know, nondescript Monday night, Howard Cosell with the call. Um, and, and I stuck down, of course, that's when games used to start at 9 p.m. I'm, I'm seven years old, right? And, and so I, I sneaked downstairs. The game, you know, I thought maybe I'd stay down until halftime. My parents never knew I was downstairs, so I just wrote it out, and it turned out, you know, classic fourth quarter comeback, and I think the Jets pulled it out in the end. And while I was sneaking back upstairs at midnight, my parents were still up in the den and caught me sneaking upstairs. And they're like, what are you doing up, Dan? And I was like, I was like, uh, well, <laughs> you know, I was up and it was like halftime and I was gonna go to bed, but then I decided to watch. And then let me tell you what happened. You know, the Browns took the lead on this incredible kickoff return and then the Jets and they cut me off and they're like, get to bed right now. Like, I don't wanna hear any more of this, just get to bed. So that sort of started my love affair for the NFL. You know, it's different with my little guy. He he just, we try, I try to get him to sit down and watch a game. And I certainly, live sports is something, you know, pre-pandemic I would take him to to really encourage his, you know, foster some love for sport. But I mean, I was like, dude, I try to set the stage. The Raptors are starting their playoff run. We're going to watch every game together. We're going to get to know these players together, you know, try to help them fall in love with this team. And we're like three minutes in and he's like, Dad, how much time's left in this game? Because I'm done. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you'll watch Unspeakable play Minecraft for four hours in a row. Like, he'll just be chiseling granite for four hours. You can watch that. And we got a basketball game on, and you won't even watch it for five minutes. But So I came up with a creative little quiz, which included some answers that would only reveal themselves after the game was over, like who scored the most points and the final score. And I said, listen, if you stick with the quiz and you get all the answers, you know, we'll get you a little prize. So, you know, it kind of made him stick around a little bit. We'll see, fingers crossed, that uh, we can develop that love affair like I did some 40 years ago. <laughs> Fantastic. So, like Chanel, that. your uh, book, The Success Playbook, this is really impressive. Um, you know, you are... Uh, you, obviously, you, you're an NFL executive. You are also... Um, an up-and-coming, you know, woman in in sport industry. You're trailblazing, as, as I've said, but you're you're bigger than that. You are promoting to people, um, you know, about how to have confidence, how, what the success is, the steps that you need to take. Chelsea is going to weigh in on on why the audience should read your book. Tell, but first and foremost, before Chelsea does that, tell me a little bit more about, tell us a little bit more about your success playbook. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Um, well, honestly, it was birthed out of, you know, just I was getting asked all the time, you know, how I got to where I am and 
Um, even I, I remember a very distinct time after I graduated, um, I couldn't get a call back from the team to save my life. Um, so it was so hard, you know, getting into the industry, but, you know, I was determined and I knew what I wanted. Um, so it was a good two years that I kept, you know, interviewing and calling people and bugging people um, until I got my big break into the industry. And, you know, it is, I would say the book is filled with um, tools from that time of my life and even tools from just navigating throughout my career over the past six years. Um, because ultimately, I want to, to show the, the younger generation that, hey, I mean, there is room for you here. Um, there's room for you as a woman. There's room for you as a African-American or whatever it is that you are, whatever you identify with, um, there's room for you if you want to be here. So along with, you know, ambition, hustle, grit, you know, you can, you can get to where you want to be in sports. So I was just going to do a follow-up. You know, I think you really touched on, Chanel, something really interesting. Just Chelsea, before I give it to you, about this, <laughs> this difficulty that you faced, Chanel, when you weren't getting those calls back, those, those uh, callbacks and, and finding a way onto a team, like when you look back at your transition from your MBA to getting in, you know, you talk about some of the, you know, qualities, the characteristics that you had to exude. What, what do you remember most about really sort of pushing you through? What was, what was the difference for you in, in getting that job? Um, I would definitely say, so it took me a few times to fail in interviews um, until I was able to get it down pat. And it took me a few times to, you know, I guess not be taken as seriously to be able to come into these interviews, you know, as the best candidate and show them like, hey, like I may not have sales experience, but I'm reading this and this. And I will pull the books out on my, on my interview for um, the, my first big break in sport, um, I actually pulled like sales books out that I was reading and I said, hey, like, I know I don't have the experience, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the research, I'm doing the thing. Um, so it, it, it shows that, you know, um, if this is something you want to do, you can do it. So it, that, yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Yeah, that's awesome. Chelsea, <laughs> thanks for that, Chanel. Take it away, Chelsea. Sure. Here at Ryerson RTA Sport Media, we are storytellers and we find inspiration and new sport content and we're driven towards new sport content because we crave the storytelling and the story behind the development of such sport content. So in this case, in your published book, we often hear that a lot of authors have their own writing process. And so I would like you to take us through your journey of writing your book from idea conception to actually putting words on the paper. Sure, sure. So idea came from, honestly, you know, the success playbook is something that I taught about, you know, all these schools would reach out to me and I would go present to them. Um, and I would present to them, you know, my journey as to how I got in sport. And it was very well received. So, you know, I decided to write about it. Um, I did experience writer's block, you know, a lot. Um, so I did adopt a concept that my mentor taught me in which, you know, he said to, you know, list out all of your chapters and then within each chapter, um, write bullet points of everything that you're going to cover. And then once you go back into the bullet points, that's when you go in and actually write. That way you have your concept on paper um, and then you're just allowing yourself to flow. And then once I adopted that, that's when everything started to flow and everything became a, a much quicker process. So I just had to get the initial thoughts on paper and then go back and um, expand. 
So I saw that today you earlier had posted on Instagram that you have a free class based on content within your book called Success DNA. So what does that event look like and where can we find the registration? Sure. So the registration is available on my website. So www.chanelsreynolds.com um, and it'll be listed under Hustle University. So Hustle U. Um, or you can find me on Instagram. You, you can click that link and it'll say free class. Um, so what that class consists of is, you know, it'll explain the three characteristics that I believe um, contributes to, you know, my success and pretty much everyone that I know who's experiencing success, um, they all possess, you know, three characteristics that I practice and I preach. Um, so I'm, that's, I'm going to go a little bit further into detail there. Um, and then, of course, um, tell you a little bit about how to, to develop some of those skills. Awesome. That's great. Where also can you get your book other than your website? Is it available on Amazon? So it will be available on Amazon when it's actually released. Right now we're in the pre-sale phase. Um, so it will be released on September 8th. And at that point, it will be available on Amazon. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. So Dan, we're at the, uh, the another fun part of the show. And again, this hour goes by really fast, Chanel, but this is a fun part. Dan does uh, rapid fire cues. Dan, fire away. Question number one, how long did it take you to write the book? Mm, let's say a year. Okay. Hey, other than basketball, which you referred to, and I don't have a score update for you quite yet, but your favorite sport to watch growing up next to hoops? It was basketball. Yeah? <laughs> it was basketball. Yeah, it wasn't. Okay. All right. Hey, favorite sport to play growing up? I was a cheerleader. Oh, amazing. In competitions? No competitions, no. Okay, fair enough. Favorite athlete of all time? Alan Iverson. Yeah. yeah, we kind of knew that. Hey, what's the, who is the player you admire the most currently on Washington? Um, currently on Washington. Right now, I'm really admiring Alex Smith um, just because he had a rough couple of years, but, you know. Under, is, understatement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very rough, but um, he, he's so ready to get back into things so gotta say my guy alex smith yeah and just for those of you at home who don't know alex smith was just activated off the uh, physically unable to perform list after undergoing a gruesome leg injury a broken leg a couple of years ago so welcome back alex smith that's awesome what skill chanel do you most rely on day in and day out mm, grit nice how do you define grit mm, the power of passion and perseverance. Love it. Hey, next to the fact that there are no fans going that are going to be allowed at FedEx Field this year, what's the biggest challenge you're facing professionally heading into this NFL season? Mm, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say keeping, I guess, remaining positive, you know, and it's not a challenge for me because I'm generally a positive person, but just making sure that, you know, the team is still encouraged and because it's a lot of changes we're going through. So just making sure everybody is still, you know, upbeat and know that this is temporary. You know, the pandemic is temporary. We'll, we'll get past this. We just got to focus on the now. Love it. Who's the person who's inspired you the most in your life? Mm, my parents. Beautiful. Single hardest thing you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Uh, saying goodbye to my previous job. Which was? So I was with the Sixers organization. Oh, that would have been tough. I yeah, think. yeah. 
All right, last question. Just because I was born and raised in the area, born and raised in Delaware, so yeah. I, you know, I was just so scared about moving away. <laughs> but what's the thing you miss the most about Delaware? Uh, definitely my family. Um, How about food item? I don't know if we're. I don't think we're like really famous for anything regarding food. Um, but definitely the tax-free shopping because DC is so expensive, but Delaware, Delaware, the cost of living is amazing. Beautiful. And last <laughs> question for you. It's fourth and goal on the one. You're down six. You got a minute to play. What's your go-to play call from the success playbook? <laughs> uh, wait, what? <laughs> are, we, um, are we talking about a book concept? Well, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, um, the Art of Taking L's, that is chapter eight in the book, I believe. So even if I lose, I'll still win with my mindset. I love it. Hey, nothing beats a positive mindset. That <laughs> is your rapid fire questioning for August the 17th, 2020. I'll get to you with a score update in a minute. Thanks for that, Chanel. Thank you. Okay, so lots happening here. I love that. Very good. You did that very, very well. And we're uh, ahead of schedule. So my, one of my favorite topics is uh, women in sport, gender equity in sport. And in fact, actually, I just had a conversation today with the major sport organization about how we're able to make their organization more gender equitable and it is in general gender equity, diversity, and inclusion. I do see that we have Ayanka Jess on with us this evening from She's for Sport. So I'd love for her to be introduced to you, Chanel, if you have not been introduced to her already. She's also someone like yourself in terms of pushing ahead and trailblazing and really galvanizing um, young women and women in sport in general. Um, you know, I, I really want to talk about this from the perspective of, uh, it sounds as though from your book, and it also sounds as though from your experiences and your mindset that um, gender equity perhaps has not been as much of an issue for you However, I'm sure you have faced some biases and some stereotypes and barriers. So I'd like to ask you about what barriers or biases have you experienced, how you have overcome them? That's the first question. And I'm gonna come back to you with some other question in terms of some of the successes that you had and who has been a great mentor standing behind you and championing you. Yeah, um, so I would say that, um, I I think that any you know female in this industry um, or woman in this industry will experience, um, or not even this industry, in the world as a whole. If you're a, a living, breathing woman, you're going to experience some sort of bias. Um, but it is up to you, you know, to um, overcome that. And what I mean by that is, um, I mean, uh, of course, you know, you'll always have individuals who may question, you know, your uh, your ability to be here, you know, who may question the fact that you're qualified or not to work in sport. Um, you know, I've had somebody ask me, like, I guess in a joking way, um, holding a football and saying, hey, Chanel, do you know what this is? Um, so what I do, you know, is I like to speak with action. Um, okay, you may try to say, okay, you don't, I don't know what a football is, but I'll, I'll sell, I'll, I'll sell you. And I'm gonna surpass you in in, in career. Um, so it, I don't really, you know, play too much into it. Um, but what I do is, you know, I talk with my work. 
You know, I talk with my hustle. I talk with my my ambition. Um, and, and, you know, as women, I think, you know, that's something that we may experience this, but it's up to us to, to persevere. Um, and it's up to us to, to push past it. And one of my strongest beliefs is that, you know, compared to, to a man, a, a woman has to work twice as hard as a man to get the same recognition. Um, and it's, I do not, I don't, I don't agree with that. And right now that's how it is. Um, one day I believe that there will be, you know, equality across the board. Um, but in this time in 2020, um, th that's, that's the reality of things. So you have to make up in your mind as a woman, like, okay, I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room, um, to get, to get recognized. I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room to, to elevate and to, to push past some of these biases. So, so, uh, yeah, and that becomes, um, first of all, I commend you. And I do, I also believe that regardless of your gender, that, the performance, your work ethic, and what you're able to deliver uh, is hopefully going to supersede. Unfortunately, there are, it does sound like we need to work a little bit harder and, and, and maybe even longer years. In one of the discussions, even, and let's just use a dollar to dollar, if a woman is making one dollar and a man is making a dollar ten, we've got to work ten more years in our life to be able to catch up to them. Right. So we're just, we're having to work longer, we're going to work harder. Um, and, and this is something that uh, in our work at the university, uh, trying to educate young up and coming males and females to have these discussions and solve the problem and have these debates and also sport organizations. And I think that they're realizing that it needs to be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and then also as being a black woman in sport, uh, I'm, I'm imagining, not imagining, I know um, there's overwhelming research to show that uh, you specifically, Chanel, need to work harder than someone like uh, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And this is a stark and real reality that uh, we are facing currently right now is who is someone that is in your court, who's championing for you, that has been a role model and you know you can count on and is supporting you and your career and your endeavors and moving any of these biases and barriers out of your way beyond the amazing work and effort that you're putting into it. Definitely, thank you for that question. Um, so I do, I mean, of course I have a tribe of mentors. Um, I'm a strong believer that yes, you should have mentors that look like you, but you should also have a, a lot of mentors who do not look like you um, because they'll have a different perspective than you. Um, so I, I mean, I consider one of my bosses a mentor. Um, his name is Jason. He is a white male. He's been in the industry for about 25 years. Um, and, and individuals like that, just people who have, you know, throughout my, my, my journey throughout sport, who's um, went out their way to pour into me as an individual, pour into me as a professional. Um, I kind of latch onto those people and I hold them tight in my corner. <laughs> Um, outside of that, you know, I do like to look outside of even who I personally know. I like to look outside of that and, you know, identify individuals who I may not know personally who are doing, you know, what I want to do. Um, for example, St. Marshall, she is a, a Black woman. She is a, the president of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, she's someone that I definitely look up to. Um, I look up to, I believe her name is Bozema St. John. She is the chief marketing officer, I believe, for Netflix. Um, so these are women of color, black women 
who are, you know, trailblazing in their own right in either sport or even any other entertainment industry. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, identify individuals that you personally know and keep keep them close to you, keep them in your tribe. Um, but it's also okay to look at the internet and figure out who's out there that kind of looks like you and maybe, you know, does something that you want to do and, and, you know, adopt that person as your, like I call it, a cyber mentor, you know, look them up, look all their articles up, look up um, everything on YouTube. So, so there's a, um, a a scholar, an academic by the name of Shelley uh, Shelley Carell, and she's from Stanford University. Uh, Shelley runs an institute called uh, Michelle R. Clayman Institute for Gender Research. She's I, I follow her work. I find her very outstanding. And the thing that I like about her reminds me a lot about you, Chanel, which is celebrating the small wins, being very positive about uh, being able to make change and mobilize change, and as well, having mentors also vouch for you. So the more likelihood, she says, that people are going to look at your credentials and say, Chanel knows what she's doing, is when you have a mentor, let's say like you mentioned your boss, Jason, saying Chanel is great, um, then people are gonna find you more credible. How do you feel about a statement like that? Can you repeat the last part? It started to cut out a little bit. Oh, sure. Sorry. So the, the uh, Shelley Corral talks about very on a positive note for, for women in, in, in um, just in corporations in general, but specifically looking at gender equity in organizations. So uh, one of the her pieces of research shows that women who have champions um, that first introduce the, the person that they are champion or someone that they're mentoring is that people are gonna say, hey, that person is more credible. So if Jason, as an example, vouches for you mm -hmm. or um, let, introduces you or, or if you were to come into my class and speak to uh, a sport media class and I gave your credentials for you versus you giving them, that people are more likely to see you as more credible than if you gave them yourself. What do you think about that? And where is the industry heading knowing that that is out there in the industry? Yeah. Um, so honestly, I would say that's a pretty accurate statement. So, and I just want to make sure that I fully understand. So you're saying if I was to come into, you know, your environment and you were to introduce me and list out my credentials, the students would think I'm more credible because you introduced me. Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a hundred percent. Correct. You know, it's nothing for me to toot my own horn. Um, but if I have somebody else tooting, you know, it sounds that more real. Um, so, so I think, I mean, I, I think that it, it makes complete sense. So um, my boss has a way of putting it. I forgot how he, he put it. He said, um, you know, you barking, you barking about your own accomplishments sounds like, you know, dog crap. Um, but if you have somebody <laughs> else barking, you know, it sounds factual. So I think that's a, a pretty accurate statement. Hey, okay. Laurel, can, yeah, I try, can I just chime in with a thought on that? Because, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, you know, even, and I know Chanel, I had asked you a little bit earlier about your experience, you know, looking for work, for instance, but, you know, for anyone out there who's, you know, looking for a job, if you can find somebody who can speak to your abilities and refer mm -hmm. you, you know, that just, it, there is a certain validation that comes from somebody who's trusted. So in, in, in your classroom setting, Laurel, you're a trusted 
boys, people look to you as, as the professor of that course or mine as well. You know, if now you bring in someone and can speak to that person, there's just this instant validation process that occurs from you mm -hmm. being able to say, here's, here's Chanel and, and here, here's her credentials here, as opposed to Chanel just walking in. I mean, it, it, right. you still have the same credentials, but again, the power of that referral, the power of that valid validation from the trusted source really breaks down the question for the onlooker to say, should I be trusting this person? How do I know what they're saying is the real deal? And I think that's mm -hmm. where having that third party come in and be able to validate them is very important. Yeah, the only, uh, and, and uh, hopefully we're all on, uh, we can see everybody here. Um, the, the, the difference, and I agree with you, Dan, and I agree with you, Chanel, the difference, however, is that uh, I'm not just talking about when you come into my class and me being someone where that the students would, let's say, yes, you're a credible professor and you're bringing somebody in that we, that we would uh, think that you would deem as professional come in the organization. But it is, I don't remember the number, but I'm going to say it's overwhelmingly or higher than 50%. And it's much higher than that, if I believe. I just don't have the numbers in front of me. That men don't have to rely on that. Hmm. So men can walk into a room, give their credentials, and everyone believes them. Women need someone else to do it for them. And so there's two ways of looking at it. There's the way of looking at it, the way that you both just looked at it, which I happen to agree with, and I wish that was the case. And I agree, if you get a reference or a letter of reference, that's the case. However, what this uh, professor is actually called the level playing field is saying that in an organization, um, even for promotions or pay equity is that you always women always need and that's why it's so important to actually for women to have a champion internally mm -hmm. uh, to let people know so that they can give that credibility uh, because uh, you know as I'm hearing Chanel that and again this is my my opinion based on this research so I always look at things from different angles and I like to pick them a little bit <laughs> uh, there's no right or wrong to this it is more of the sense of Chanel, as you said it, like you like to show based on your performance. So your belief, and I believe the same thing, is that the number one thing to do in your job is just perform. But it sounds as though the performance is not enough for women. We also, in addition to our performance, need someone validating that we did what we, what we did. Um, and let's say you did $100 million and the person beside you happens to mail did 50. Your performance is noted, but you still need the credibility to go, you know she did 100 million, right? And that person did fit. So there's that little extra there. Um, and that was really what that was more so about. But uh, no, but at yeah. the same time, also looking at the other side is, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree that you need both. Do you, Chanel, do you have further comment on that? Yeah. And I, I love that statement, which you just mentioned. And, you know, the reality is that is how it is right now for women. Um, so I would, you know, advocate for everyone to like play the game. Play the game the right way. You need to identify a sponsor. If you don't know what a sponsor is, buy the book. Um, if you don't know what a sponsor <laughs> is, um, you have a mentor and you have a sponsor. A sponsor is that person, that giant in the room, that giant in the industry that's going to advocate on your behalf. Um, so it's a, you have to play the game. You have to identify these people that you want in your corner and approach them and ask them like, hey, like take me under your wing. I see what you're doing. Um, so it, it's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But also... Um, as a woman, there is a certain level of confidence that you really need to have, especially in this industry, um, because, you know, 
situations like we just talked about, Laurel, um, that can kind of weigh on you. And you may, you know, at times feel like you're less than. But, you know, I'm at the point in my industry, like, nobody can tell me I'm, I'm not good at my job. Absolutely nobody. Like somebody can fire me tomorrow and I promise you I'll, I'll find the next thing. Um, so I think it's a certain level of confidence that us as women, especially in this industry, we have to have. And we have to know that, okay, maybe no one is vouching for me in this room. Number one, I need to know that, you know, I am great at what I do, even if nobody pats me on the back. I have to know that. And then number two, um, I have to advocate for myself. Let's say I haven't identified that sponsor yet. Okay, what am I doing to express to my superiors what I want out of this position? Do my superiors know what I made for the company last month? No? Okay, well, let me put an invite, a calendar invite on your calendar. Let's have a one-on-one, -on -one and I'll break down for you everything that I've done in the department. Um, that way, both of us can be on the same page about how awesome I am. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. You, you, uh, you know what? I, I love the fact that you say that how awesome I am because that is merchandising yourself. That is not, that is not anything else than telling the truth and merchandising. Hey, this is what I've done. You want to know about my performance. So fantastic. <laughs> More topics here. And I'd love to bring Axel Lilmanis into this conversation as well, uh, is, uh, CFL. So, the CFL here, the Canadian Football League, unfortunately, we've, uh, here in Canada, we have canceled our season. Uh, this is a huge blow to the league, understandably, that, you know, uh, the coronavirus and has, has hit us very hard here in terms of sport. There was no money given from the, the Canadian government. I think we all agreed a long time ago that the $30 million interest-free loan that they requested uh, there's a lot of businesses and small businesses that were hurting. Um, you know, when I was looking at that, actually, one fact that I did miss was the 20 million loss last year when we thought that they had the last couple of years have been a good year. So, um, Axel, I know we've talked about this at length, but when the CFL is not playing in Canada, what does that mean for sport? And um, Dan and, and Chelsea, feel free to chime in. Um, yeah, hi everybody. Uh, uh, for for me, the the problem the CFL facing, I think, points to the vulner the vulnerability of um, the league uh, and potentially the sport um, uh, and traditional sports in general uh, during the during the shutdown. Um, without a lack of of being able to resume play, I think they've they've the spotlight's been shone on their vulnerability. And what I mean by that is, you know, we we've talked on the show a lot about declining viewers. We talked a lot about aging viewers, um, you know, not being able to play a season, uh, in my opinion, just ends up accelerating the problem that they're going to be facing next year. Uh, and then a lot of leagues are facing um, right now that are unable to, to, to start. And uh, where those audiences are going is they're going to, um, to new areas, new, new growth areas, whether it's esports, whether it's um, uh, emerging new sports like like MLS soccer has been on the rise for for a number of years. You know th those eyeballs, those audiences are going to go um, elsewhere. Uh, so um, you know when we talk about things like uh, inequity and and all these other uh, uh, problems that traditional sports are, are facing, I think a, a lack of action or a lack of um, the mindset to you know trip on yourself or make a mistake and learn for it uh, learn from it i think is is only going to hurt you more than if you were to try to improve your sport try to 
uh, figure out new ways to monetize, grow your, grow, grow your, grow your audience. So uh, um, as I'm looking at the CFL, I'm really hopeful that during this, um, hopefully it's just a hiatus until they can you know, try again next year, that they're gonna come out stronger, they're gonna come out with a new outlook, that they're gonna come out with some new ideas, um, a, a new way to engage with their audience and, and not wait to do that, but to start doing some doing uh, acting right now. I think that is kind of like the, the, the secret sauce and is also the one thing that can really hurt an organization. Uh, and I look at the NFL um, uh, and you know, not standing up for, va uh, for values, not acting, uh, not, not quote unquote pivoting um, is only gonna hurt you as, as, as people flock to other things to entertain themselves. Um, so th that's, that's just sort of how, how I'm seeing uh, these challenges. Um, and, you know, uh, sounds like Charlene would look at it as an opportunity, you know, that using that optimistic, you know, uh, a viewpoint of hers. Um, you know, what, what is the opportunity um, in, in a shutdown in, in, a, in a moment where, where you can't, you can't field teams um, like you used to? Given the, the, the deeply rooted traditions of the NFL, and knowing that uh, they may not have a season given, um, given the coronavirus and, and maybe not taking any fundamental, fundamentally, fundamentally different path to, to uh, um, launching their season. You know, what, what, what's your viewpoint on, an or, on, a, on a league like that, not taking progressive moves, not looking at making significant changes to, to preserve their sport and preserve their audience? Yeah, I think you made a, a really good point that I just want to echo in the earlier part of your statement is like, hey, if we take a year off, um, our, our fans are getting used to not coming to, you know, our stadium or our arena. And, you know, every sports team is facing that right now. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, making, creating those moments, um, those fan-like moments, those stadium-like moments, those arena-like moments while your fans are sitting on the couch. Um, so I think the, the NBA is doing a great job with that with Microsoft Teams and how they, you know, allow fans into the, the stadium um, virtually. Um, and I do believe um, something like that is, you know, on the horizon for some of the other leagues. But um, like you said, it's, it's very important just to remember that, you know, everyone has to keep their fans engaged throughout this time. You know, whether they're allowing the fans in the stadiums or not, in the facilities or not, you know, it's really important to keep them excited because for every game that, you know, they're not here, they're sitting at home and they're like, oh, okay, well, I mean, this ain't that bad. What do I need season tickets for? So um, I think it's important just for everyone to, you know, remain innovative and to, you know, keep everyone engaged and just figuring out what that looks like for your particular team and just executing. I just kind of want to echo on what you're what you both are saying because I mean I think we saw a good example of it in the NHL when Tampa and the Columbus Blue Jackets were in that what seemed like the all-night game going into five overtimes I think it was and it was a very impromptu thing that happened and the, the game operations team that actually you know made this happen but they made comments on the boards basically like on, on all the screens that are surrounding uh, where the fans used to sit, they put comments, you know, like, is this a seventh inning stretch or like different things to kind of engage the, engage the viewers as if they were in the stadium watching this five overtime game. So I think there is lots of room for, for growth and, and we're starting to see it. And I 
I mean, appreciate the inspiration and the innovation that has come out from COVID in terms of that, in, you know, instead of canceling seasons, we have seen lots of different content go out there in the digital sense that was not seen before and that teams weren't really thinking about, I don't think, or, or leagues in general, weren't really thinking about how to engage the audiences at home and make it the experience much like what you get in, in the arena or in stadium. Great point, Chelsea. You know, I was just watching a baseball game the other night from the West Coast. It was a late night game. The Dodgers were playing. So get what they're offering. Um, while sitting at home, they put up a little banner that their announcer read in the first inning saying, hey, if you want to get some ballpark food, you can order a Dodger dog and we'll deliver it to your house while you watch the game. So just another way, Chanel, to sort of back up. Okay. How can we create that experience in the arena, in the stadium, and bring it to the house. Now, that being said, I don't know if $12 for a Dodger dog's worth it, but I'm sure someone would pay it. <laughs> Final question, Chanel. Uh, what sort of, what are the things that you're seeing in terms of positives, but also some challenges upcoming for you and coming into the upcoming seasons from a sales perspective? I mean, this is your forte. This is what, um, you know, you are working on day to day working to drive revenue within your organization. And I can imagine that that is a very big topic of conversation in your, in your uh, team. So where, how are you uh, tackling COVID-19 and the impact that it's going to have on revenue potentially? Sure. So I think the positive is that, you know, everyone, no matter what team you're with or what industry you're in um, or what uh, league you're in, um, everyone has this longer runway to prepare for the following season. Um, so we're looking at it that way. So, you know, every, I believe that every team right now is, you know, figuring out strategy, um, figuring out how to, you know, blow 2021 out the water just because we have so much time now. Um, and I believe also another um, trend right now is everyone is making sure that their sales teams are up up to par, you know, it's been a lot of training, you know, I've been speaking to some of my colleagues, a lot of other sales leaders, and everyone is really focusing on making sure that, you know, when we are able to get back into the swing of things, everyone is the best that they can be at what they do. Um, so everyone is using this time, you know, just for some fine tuning and just making sure that everyone is able to operate once we're fully operational. Um, and then from there, it's going to be, you know, hitting the ground running. So um, although it is, you know, a, a, a very unique time and not the, not the outcome we were all looking for, um, this is a great opportunity to prepare for, for the next phase of what we'll, we'll be heading into, which, was, which is the next season. Just one final thought. You know, I do want to give a shout out to Jason Rocco, who's been. Oh, I was today. about to. Well, I got to steal. You know, here I am giving Can out a talent down score. Here, MLB ticker: the Toronto Blue Jays are beating Baltimore. What the heck? Go ahead, Dan. Well, I, I, I guess in acknowledging <laughs> the best backgrounds, a big shout out to Jason for uh, the sport ticker and. Uh, you know, I guess we can follow him at, at Jason W. Rocco. Jason, well done. Old school Mariners hat. Got some Sonics there. I love it, man. That That's a legit, a legit background, you know? I, I appreciate that. I actually uh, work from home even before the pandemic. So I've had a decade of making my Zoom background, you know, uh, the best I can be. But especially during these types of things, when games are going on, I want everyone to be be up to date. You know, you don't want to be flipping screens on your, on your laptop. I want to be able to, to see what the scores are. So well, well played. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> I guess to segue from that Chanel uh, and to acknowledge the Jersey behind you, we feel your pain 
Celtics, Celtics are up by six with 10 seconds to go. Looks uh, like they're going to take a one nothing lead in the series there. My apologies on that. <laughs> so I'd like to thank you very much, Chanel Reynolds from the Washington NFL team for joining us this evening on Sport Talks with Sport Profs on Monday, August the 17th, 2020. Signing out, I am Professor Walls, Prof Walls. I'm here joined with Prof Coach Dan Berlin. We have our feature special experts in social media, Chelsea Vernhow and eSports, Axel Leal Manis. And as well, thank you so much for your insight. We're very excited for you. Uh, sounds like the Washington NFL team has um, is turned the corner and uh, we're gonna see some new things that are, as you said, a team that is making history and looking for uh, progress. So we're gonna be looking forward to that, but we're also gonna be looking forward to taking a look at the camera angles and the sidelines and seeing all the different sponsors that you are going to be signing, <laughs> generating tons of revenue for the league and your broadcast holders and the teams in general, your team in general. Thank you, Chanel Reynolds. Again, uh, Sport Talks with Sport Profs. Good night.